Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about faith, family, freedom, the state of Illinois, our nation, and conservative action. Here's David Smith and Monty Larrick. Thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. I'm Monty Larrick. Peter LaBarbera, the president of AmericansForTruth.com, says a Biden-Harris administration would represent the greatest threat to American Christianity and to our religious freedoms than we've ever had. Because this is stepping upon the foundation that Barack Obama built. Barack Obama was the most radical pro-transgender, pro-abortion president ever elected. Joe Biden is even more aggressive on homosexuality. Remember, it was Joe Biden who said, who, who came out for homosexual so-called marriage before Barack Obama did. So this, this man is committed to the transgender issue. He's committed to the homosexuality issue in a way that most Americans do not understand. And he is going to push that agenda, even if it means trampling on our religious freedom, especially through the Equality Act. We've talked about this before. Refresh our memories. What are the dangers surrounding the Equality Act? Okay, the so-called Equality Act, number one, is the most radical piece of pro-homosexual, pro-transgender, pro-bisexual legislation in American history. I call it the Criminalizing Christianity Act, and here's why. The Equality Act does a lot of evil in the name of equality, which is pretty much how the LGBT movement rolls. Uh, For example, the act specifically would override the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. Now, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act was passed to strengthen First Amendment freedoms. There was a lot of worry about Christians uh, losing their liberty, their religious freedom, and so they passed a law called the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which was intended to shore up the First Amendment. We shouldn't even need that law because the First Amendment is our strongest protection in the Constitution of our religious freedom and our freedom of speech and our freedom to petition the government and protest, etc. However, the LGBTQ Equality Act, so-called, would override, it it says that in a case of a conflict between gay rights and and religious freedom, ostensibly, the Equality Act would override the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which shows that they're placing their radical LGBTQ agenda above our First Amendment freedoms as American citizens, and that is scary. Equality sounds nice. Let's remember, Monty, how much evil has been done in the name of equality, not just culturally, but I mean, if you look at communism, communism moved forward in every country in the name of equality. Let's treat people equally. And what happened was the the most murderous system in the history of mankind, I think 200 million people died in the name of equality. Now we see sexual sin movements and even this awful transgender agenda being pushed in the name of what? Equality. Peter, Illinois already has strong pro-LGBT laws. So what changes if the Equality Act becomes law federally? What would happen is you would have the power of the federal government behind an additional power with the states pushing the LGBTQ agenda. The Equality Act is a homosexual lawyer's dream and a transgender lawyer's dream. What we will see is is what we saw during uh, the Obama administration, where the attorney general used the power that powerful office to promote homosexuality in various states, and we'll see that in Illinois. And so, essentially, what this is is it becomes a sledgehammer, a legal sledgehammer for the LGBTQ agenda. Many, if not most, pastors have been silent on the Equality Act, but they should be scared. 
pastors especially should be scared of what the Equality Act would accomplish. It's their duty and their role to promote the gospel. And if you are saying, for example, there's another provision in the Equality Act, which specifically would be against the idea of so-called conversion therapy, which is the gay activist term for people leaving homosexuality behind, we can presume that the homosexual lobby will use that language to attack churches who want to minister to people struggling with homosexuality to overcome unwanted homosexual feelings. The Equality Act could be used to go against those churches. Also, the Equality Act could be used to push attempts to undermine Christian schools and say that, they're hey, they're not hiring a teacher who is in a gay so-called marriage, that Christian school. There might be lawsuits against religious schools using the Equality Act. Peter, there's been some talk of a watered-down Equality Act. What's the danger of that? Well, I think the first danger is we know that the LGBTQ lobby has always moved ahead incrementally, so we can only presume that this would be the first effort towards achieving the ultimate Equality Act. But even the watered-down version is dangerous because what you're doing, again, you are equating homosexual agenda with the noble 1964 Civil Rights Act, which was intended to right the wrongs of past racism and slavery in the United States and Jim Crow. That was a noble civil rights movement. This is counter to civil rights because this legislation would be used to undermine the civil rights and the religious liberties and the freedoms of people of faith. Does this mean that a church or Christian school could be forced to hire a transgender janitor or secretary, or an executive pastor whose mission is mostly related to finances. Absolutely. We've already seen the strategy of leftist groups like the ACLU and homosexual lobby groups saying if it's not essential to the the mission of the church, then that position would not be covered by exemptions, religious exemptions protecting the church. For example, you said a church secretary or it could be a janitor, uh, a transgender janitor at a Christian school. Well, they would say that transgender janitor has nothing to do with the teaching at the school. And so therefore we have to have lawsuits to protect that transgender so-called right to work at a Christian school. And of course, that could lead to the undermining of the mission of the school. This is precisely how the homosexual lobby has worked uh, for the last several decades as they, they get their foot in the door, the camel's nose into the tent, and then they move on from there. Remember, there was a time during the civil unions debate, which preceded the gay marriage debate, where they said, oh, we're not interested in gay marriage. And of course, that was a ruse. Civil unions became the stepping stone towards homosexual so-called marriage. How can Christians help to stop the Equality Act from becoming law? We need to educate people in whatever way we can, whether it's your family and your friends and your co-workers, whether it's your pastor. Educate your pastor on the Equality Act. Ask if you can do a teach-in. Uh, I would be happy to do a teach-in, or Illinois Family Institute could do a, a, a teach-in on what this legislation would do. What are the practical effects of this radical legislation? And then ask your pastor to speak out, because pastors, in addition to conveying the gospel and teaching the Word of God, are also uh, have a duty to teach morality to the culture and promote good biblical morality to our culture. And Christians should be contacting their federal lawmakers and express opposition to the Equality Act. Absolutely. We need to start contacting our House members and our, our two senators because this is a, a top priority of Democrats uh, on Capitol Hill. It's not too early right away start calling and remember this is the most far-reaching, radical LGBTQ legislation ever proposed. Joe Biden has promised to make the Equality Act 
a legislative priority if he's elected president. Joe Biden absolutely has gay rights and transgender rights as his top priority, much like uh, Barack Obama. And he said it would be a top priority to get the Equality Act enacted into law. And so now is the time to contact your legislators, your federal legislators uh, especially, and state your opposition to the Equality Act because this has always been uh, a top priority for uh, Joe Biden, who is really sold out to the LGBTQ agenda in a way that most Americans are not aware of because it was hardly an issue in the presidential campaign. Beyond the Equality Act, Joe Biden has said he would consider making Roe federal law. Joe Biden sold his soul to the Democratic left on abortion. He was opposed to taxpayer-funded abortions, even though he was pro-abortion on demand. To uh, get the nomination, he embraced taxpayer-funded abortions. And so he is going to be pushing the abortion agenda. And again, make your voice heard because this ticket, and, and Kamala Harris, I think, is even more radical than, than Joe Biden on the homosexual issue, bragged about doing so-called gay marriages in San Francisco in the early 2000s. So this is a very radical ticket on abortion and homosexuality and transgenderism. So you must have, make your voice heard. You make your voice heard, but what's the best way to push back? I think the first thing you must do is get informed and educate others. Boil it down to, to talking points on the Equality Act. Why would we pass legislation that would override the laws that have already been passed to protect our religious freedom, which is what the Equality Act would do? Why would we want to strengthen the uh, abortion movement and put abortion on demand, Roe v. Wade, into law when abortion should be sent back to the states and we need to protect the unborn, not strengthen protections for abortionists. So educate yourself and, and educate others and make sure you educate your pastor. With the Equality Act, the LGBT community says that religious freedom laws are just a license to discriminate. What's the argument against that assertion? Practicing our faith is not bigotry and it is not discrimination. It is not bigotry to not, for example, want our daughters to be forced to be in locker rooms with biological males or, or women's restrooms where biological males who are calling themselves transgender females are allowed to inhabit those spaces. This is not just a Christian issue, it's a common sense issue. And it's also a protecting our daughters and our wives issue. And so what the left does is it puts motives that aren't our motives. It says that we hate them because we want to live out our, our morality and our faith. And it says that we are bigots and it has nothing to do with discrimination or bigotry to oppose it with everything we've got. This is Illinois Family Spotlight. Our conversation with Peter LaBarbera continues after this. It's time to reconsider social media. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with The Point. I often counsel parents against giving their kids unfettered access to the internet, especially in the privacy of their bedrooms. One mom told me recently that leaving her teenage son in his room at night with an unmonitored smartphone would be like leaving him alone with a naked woman all night. And she's right. As a parent, I know how impossible it can feel to moderate smartphone and social media use when it seems no one else is. Still, based on every available metric to measure the outcomes of social media use, there's no question. It's a net negative. Frequent users of smartphones and social media, especially youngsters, are more lonely, more depressed, more angry, even more prone to commit suicide 
on average. We have to limit the influence on our kids. Maybe it's time to get off it altogether. And you might be helping other kids too, since every family that says no makes it that much easier for the next one to do so. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. Thanks for joining Illinois Family Spotlight. I'm Monty Larrick, and with me is Peter LaBarbera, the president of AmericansForTruth.com. Pete, so-called gay Christianity seems to be gaining acceptance in the evangelical church. How does that movement stand to gain ground in the wake of the Pope's comments that the media says supports same-sex civil unions? Well, whether you're a Catholic or not, the Pope's words have enormous influence in the world. And so the Pope, by uh, giving credence to the idea of civil unions, which is uh, legislative legal recognition of homosexual relationships, is a terrible moral evil. And for the Pope to do it gives a lot of people permission to say that supporting homosexuality, homosexual relationships, homosexual unions is okay with Christianity when in fact my Catholic friends were aghast at what the Pope said and there's nothing Christian in what the Pope said. That was a terrible mistake that the Pope did. I hope it's corrected. It's going to do a lot of bad influence in the world because it helps people justify supporting immorality in the name of Christianity. Including evangelical pastors. Yeah, evangelical pastors can now cite the Pope, a major religious figure who uh, is supporting homosexual relationships. And we know that there are a lot of evangelicals who want to cop out of the moral fight over homosexuality. They want to, to, to move away from that fight. And one way to do it is to say, look, oh, we're not talking about gay marriage. We're talking about civil unions. But Americans and people across the world need to remember that civil unions is just an incremental step towards homosexual so-called marriage. It was a key part of homosexual so-called marriage gaining uh, popularity and ultimately winning through the courts or being imposed through the courts. It was a stepping stone, and that's what it would be in this case. Incrementalism. Incrementalism is the way that the homosexual, bisexual, transgender agenda has advanced every step of the way. Now, the Pope has said in the past that civil unions are actually a protection for man and woman marriage. I do not buy the idea of coming in to support heterosexual so-called civil unions because, again, that gives the benefits of marriage to people who aren't married. We see unmarried couples wanting civil—I'm talking straight couples, male-female couples—wanting civil unions. I remember this in the, in the gay marriage debates. The heterosexuals were saying, we want civil unions because that gives us the benefits. Why should people who are married get tax benefits, et cetera, that we don't get? Well, here's the thing. We want people to get extra benefits— for being married because being married is foundational to civilization, to building our society, to, to keeping kids secure. The studies have shown that children who live with a married mother and father are much more stable and do better in school and all sorts of social indicators than people who do not have that married mother and father. So we want to reward marriage in our culture. Peter, you alluded to it, but many pastors simply steer clear of sermons or teaching about sexuality you think that's a mistake, uh, but pastors would argue that it is a subject that causes division <laughs> and also causes more harm than good. Yeah. Well, 
Jesus Christ caused division. He causes division to this day. There are families who, some members of the families believe in Jesus, others do not. Jesus divided, and it is the role of pastors to speak truth, no matter how popular it is in the culture. And I would think now more than ever, pastors have to speak to sexual morality. And that's not just about homosexuality and transgenderism. It's as politically incorrect today to say that you need to save sex for marriage. In other words, be abstinent until you get married, be chaste as it is to say you oppose homosexuality. And so pastors need to step up and remember that it, they are called to speak truth. They answer to God, not man, and they need to address these issues now in our culture. It seems as though pastors are very subtly affirming so-called gay Christianity or same-sex relationships. How can Christians determine if that's happening in their churches? I think you need to look and see if this is being treated differently than other sins. In other words, for example, we don't talk about the orientation towards adultery or the orientation towards pornography abuse. We, we just deal with the sin. And I think in homosexuality, it should be the same. It is the sin that we're opposed. We don't hate people. People are sinners. This is a sin movement we're facing. And the difference between this and other issues is there is a tremendously powerful sin movement uh, called the LGBTQ, which stands for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer movement, which is promoting the acceptance of the sin. And so it's not like, for example, adultery, which is a, a terrible evil, but there's no uh, pro-adultery movement. And so pastors need to recognize that there is this sin movement, which is promoting this in the culture, which is causing tremendous confusion, especially among our youth. We see teenagers now thinking, even preteen boys thinking that they're girls and girls thinking that they're boys. This movement is pushing this evil on our culture and pastors need to step up and deal with it and not start changing the language and becoming politically correct. Talking about orientation, we don't do that for any other sins. If we did, there would be there would be adultery pride parades and there would be pornography pride parades every June. And we don't see that, but we do see gay pride and transgender pride parades. Now that you've mentioned it, it's probably not out of the realm of possibility these days. <laughs> I do think that there are, our movements now have learned from the homosexual movement, and we're starting to see pagan pride parades, for example. And, of course, the transgender movement is just doing the exact same tactics that the homosexual movement did before it. And so I think pastors need to be aware of these sinister movements that are out there and, and understand that the politics and the ideology is different from the person struggling. Yes, there are people who struggle with homosexuality and transgenderism, and we need to reach out to them in the love of Christ, but with the truth of God as our witness. But we also have to understand that there are these nefarious ideologies and these very powerful movements which use very sophisticated tactics to undermine Christian morality in our culture. The media is now stepping up the use of Christian and faith-based storylines in movies and programming. Well, the homosexual, bisexual, transgender lobby knows that the last bulwark of opposition is basically Christians and people of faith, moral-minded people who are getting older and older. We see that the demographic, younger people are less apt to be just basically morally opposed to homosexuality. And so what they're doing now is they're going after the people of faith. They're going after Christianity and they're trying to show that, they wanna show that being in their narrative, being Christ-like is being pro-gay. That's basically their line. And the opposite is actually true. We reach out in the love of Christ to people struggling with homosexuality and the true Christian approach 
celebrates when people leave the sin of homosexuality behind. Monty, we both know many people who've left the homosexual lifestyle and the transgender lifestyle and the lesbian lifestyle, but those are the people Christians should be supporting, but you will never see those stories told in Hollywood. Instead, they're promoting the idea that being it's okay to be Christian and gay, and, and there's no conflict there, and that's a false leftist narrative. During the election, the Trump campaign did a lot of outreach to the LGBT community, and a lot of conservatives seem to accept that. Is that opening the door for a form of conservatism that embraces all things LGBT? I think the issue of so-called gay conservatism is now going to be a very huge issue in the Republican Party. It's pretty much become accepted by most conservatives. Now here's where I stand. I'm happy that people who call themselves gay or openly homosexual uh, so-called uh, conservatives, because I don't believe you're really a truly conservative if you're not embracing conservative morality, but I'm happy that homosexuals were supporting President Trump and Trump got a lot of support where other Republicans didn't get. However, there's a big difference between that and openly supporting homosexuality in the name of conservatism. Because I think one of the big problems with that is is that you start to undermine Christian morality. There's nothing in the Bible that says, oh, homosexuality is a sin unless you're a Republican. It's really, a, 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 you know, God is not a respecter of persons and he's not a respecter of political parties and homosexuality is morally wrong whether it's practiced by a Democrat or a Republican. And another problem with this issue is that so-called gay conservatives pretty much for the most part also many of them call themselves gay Christians and so they end up confusing the Christian issue because it leads people to think oh you can be openly homosexual and Christian and what other sin would we say that about we would never say oh I think you can be an open user of pornography and be a faithful Christian we would never say that about that issue why would we say that about homosexuality Peter there's been a lot of discussion about new Supreme Court justice Amy Coney Barrett and how she may weigh in on issues surrounding abortion. But how strong is she on religious freedom? Will she side with Christian bakers, photographers, venue operators, Christian schools, churches, faith-based organizations who stand up for biblical views on sexuality? I have to believe that now Justice Barrett, and thank God and thank President Trump that, and Mitch McConnell that she is Justice Barrett, I have to believe that if she's an acolyte of Justice, the late Justice Scalia, that she will be strong on religious freedom and affirm our First Amendment right to live out our Christian and our Judeo-Christian faith. However, I, what I'm nervous about is where is she's going to come down if there's a challenge to Obergefell, the decision which, in which homosexual so-called marriage was imposed on the nation. Because I think there's a tendency of the justices, even conservative justices, to sort of say, well, the culture has now accepted so-called gay marriage. And so my question is, will she be strong on that? Will she overturn Roe v. Wade? I hope so. I hope she would be in supporting, she would support overturning Obergefell and that she would stand up for the right of states to define marriage as it truly is between a man and a woman. I'm more nervous about that than what she would do on religious freedom because I believe as a person of faith herself, she will defend people's right to live out their religious and faith teachings in what should be the freest country on earth with our First Amendment. So there's hope with Justice Amy Coney Barrett.
I think there's hope. I would hope that she would become a leader. Everybody is disappointed in Justice Roberts. Uh, we're disappointed in Justice Gorsuch going along with the Bostock ruling, which will be used to mainstream transgender ideology and transgender practice and will be used to persecute businesses, I believe. So we've been disappointed on some of the Republican choices, uh, Roberts especially, but I'm hoping that Barrett becomes a leader much like Scalia was on the court. Thanks, Peter LaBarbera. Please connect with AmericansForTruth.com and please support the work of the Illinois Family Institute and Illinois Family Action. Also, tell your family and friends about Illinois Family Spotlight. Until next time, stay safe, stay active, and God bless. Thank you for listening to Illinois Family Spotlight. For more information, please visit us at ifiaction.org and look for us on Facebook and Twitter. If you would like to email us questions or comments, please do so at feedback at ifiaction.org. Until next time, stay engaged and keep your eyes on the prize.